Hi, my name's Marcus, Marcus Bronzy. Welcome to The Switch. Now, technology is mostly made for you. That means behind all of the computer chips, circuits, processors, lines of code, etc., there are real human stories. This podcast will share them with you and also delve into how some of this tech works. In every episode, we're going to go on a journey where we're going to learn a little along the way. In this episode, we'll be chatting to a guy who used tech to go from fighting parking tickets to taking on the US immigration system, all before he was 21. And they would unfortunately email me saying, my landlord is kicking me out, he won't repair anything, I'm fighting this company, that company. And although I had to respond saying, I can't really help you, it did give me a lot of ideas that access to justice and like fighting these companies is really a big issue. I came across Joshua when I read an article about a young man who was being hailed as an internet Robin Hood because he created a website that could help you fight pesky parking tickets. We managed to have a brief chat around that time over Skype. He casually mentioned that he may be able to use the same technology to help people out in other ways, groundbreaking ways. In fact, I remember saying to him, if this works, Josh, you are going to change the world which is why I've been following his story ever since. I was really excited to have a sit down with Josh when he was back in his hometown of London for the first episode of The Switch. So let's get into his story. Most people when they're 12 years old are taking on the challenge of going to secondary school, maybe making up an excuse as to why you forgot your homework or gassing about the latest version of Fortnite. At 12 years old for Josh, though, well, Josh was reading Time magazine and building apps to help people. One of his most popular apps was inspired by his favourite sandwich shop. Pret is definitely my favourite kind of sandwich place. And at the time, the iPhone was relatively new and making an app to help you find the nearest Pret-a-Manger was really hugely innovative. Google Maps wasn't really that good. And so I decided to get a list, a hard copy list of all the Pret-a-Manger locations and put it into an app. And you can automatically find your nearest Pret and get directions and things like that. So did this look yeah. like a real Pret app as well? Did it, was it, I know it's functional. Yeah. Did it look like a, I, was, I was on an official app? It looked very official. I um, downloaded all of the graphics from their websites, all of their colour and branding schemes. They have a very specific shade of maroon that they use. It basically looked like the official um, Pret app. Did Apple think it was the real deal? I'm surprised that they did. Yes, they not only approved it, which is very unusual. I've had lots of approval issues even in the past year. But then they featured it on the kind of what's hot section of the App Store. (laughs) Even back then, if you open the App Store, they have like what's new and what's hot. And there was the Pret-a-Manger logo and saying, enjoy something to eat, get the Pret app. (laughs) And they actually asked me um, before they featured it, have you got all the copyrights? I said, absolutely. Obviously. Yeah. (laughs) How long did it take? for someone at Pret to go, hang on, that's a really good app that we've got that's featured. Who built that? To promote the app, I decided to um, comment on every post on the Pret Facebook page with a link to the app. And I think after a few days of doing that, they banned me from the page and then eventually it got uh, escalated internally. So that's probably when they figured it out. 
And what did Pret do? So initially they had a discussion and apparently they were planning on suing me initially. But then they changed my mind because I think they liked the app themselves. And so they decided to invite me in. And I met the CEO when I was about 15. He um, invited me to Pret. We had a walk around. He taught me all of the things that make Pret different, supposedly. And um, he said, we want to uh, take the app from you and make it the official Pret app. Okay, and that Pret app still exists today. Obviously, different yeah. iterations now, but you can say that you designed the original Pret app. I can say that, yeah. And um, obviously now it has much more functionality. Um, now you can order, I think, um, do all sorts of things. But the original Find a Sandwich, Find Your Local Pret is still there. So if you made young Josh a better coffee and a sandwich, you could have ended up with your own app. Front page of the App Store and everything. Point is, Josh clearly had a talent from a young age. So what would happen if you pissed that talent off? Well, this happened right after Josh passed his driving test and received his first fine. I looked at the ticket and it was um, £120 or uh, £60 if paid within seven days. And I, to be honest, didn't have that money. I mean, I had it in savings somewhere, but I couldn't even like pay it without asking for my parents' help. Initially, I decided to pay that first ticket. It was actually the second ticket that I decided to get out of. And what made you want to fight it? I looked around my car and it seemed like every car was getting a parking ticket. And also I had this classroom on the road of Frognal and I could actually watch them just giving out ticket after ticket after ticket. And I was thinking, they're just like making money off so many people. There must be a way to fight this. Um, I was always interested in like law and order. And so I thought, how can I contest this? So I looked on the back of the ticket and they had these appeal instructions. And I thought, okay, well, maybe... um, if I keep getting these tickets because my car is over the line, maybe the parking ticket bay is too small. And so I wrote this like really long letter, and I can send it to you, that said that it didn't allow sufficient space to have drivers parking and didn't comply with all of these regulations. The ticket should be dismissed. And what happened? They actually immediately, within like a day, they responded saying, OK, no problem, your ticket is dismissed. And I, it was just the most shocking thing, like to have a £120 like, debt just go to zero. And uh, I, I showed everyone, I showed my teachers, my friends, and they were shocked because they're all getting these tickets and just paying them. They were like, um, well, can you get me out of my ticket? And I became this sort of lawyer for everyone in the school. <laughs> um, I was like, okay, well, um, I see you've paid, you have 10 minutes before they gave you a ticket. They only waited like nine minutes, you can get out of this one. And I began learning more and more of the regulations. So you had a bunch of letters that you knew worked. Yeah. You had a bunch of people that you knew wanted to use them and you had some programming knowledge. So talk me through the sort of thought process that made you go like, ding, I'm going to make a site for this. So I decided to make it a website so that everyone could use it. I thought that although my letters were good, I needed to get the top reasons in the whole of the UK why parking tickets were cancelled. And I'd always been like a bit of a government nerd, like looking at these obscure documents. And so I did a Freedom of Information Act request on this website called Mm whatdotheyknow.org and I found the top reasons why parking tickets are cancelled and obviously my reason of the parking bay regulations were there but there were other reasons as well to do with signage, medical emergencies, the car being stolen, the, the vehicle being sold, all sorts of the 12 top reasons and then I decided I need to write a letter for each one. And at the time, I said that, like, lawyers helped me write the letters, but really it was just me doing all of the research and I had, like, a lawyer take a look at it at the very end. So a plethora of reasons that people didn't know that they could kind of fight 
their own corner when it came to getting parking tickets. Because I feel like when you get a ticket, it doesn't feel like you have any option. It's kind of like, by the way, you're going to have to pay £60 or £120. Don't try and argue with us because yeah. you're just going to end up paying £120 anyway. I feel like that's what that's the tone of the kind of ticket that I get. Definitely. So were you a little bit riled up by this? Like, I was really riled up, especially as it was a grey area. I think that there are 50% of all tickets... Some would say it's wrong what you did, but some would say that they weren't following the rules to the letter of the law. And mm. They're making so much money that they have a responsibility to follow all the rules when mm. they give you their tickets. Exactly. Oh, one of the biggest things is a mistake on the ticket. If they mistake anything on the ticket, then you can get it dismissed. Like they say the wrong color of the car, because how can you trust them otherwise? Exactly. Yeah. Huh? Remember that one. If they get if they get the color of your car wrong, <laughs> if it's if it's turquoise and not blue, fight that ticket. So you got all this data, right? Yeah. You're a little bit riled up. You've got a bunch of people that you know are eager to be to be helped by some sort of solution. So building the site, how how long did that take? It took about three weeks to a month. And I was writing the letters. That honestly took the most time. And then creating this software where it would ask a question to the user and then put the details that the user answered into the letter. So the website took you three weeks to build uh, and then it was launched. The name for it, where did that come from? It came from my mother. I had no idea what to call it. I had all the, all of these embarrassing names, but she said, do not pay. And also the domain name, do not pay.co.uk, started to, was available. And obviously that rhymes. Josh created do not pay before he had been accepted into Stanford University, which is probably the perfect uni for a techie man like him. But going to Stanford would mean that he'd have to leave the UK for LA. You'd think do not pay would fizzle out, but it didn't. In fact, it went stateside with Josh. And that's where things really started to pick up the pace. This was all when I was um, working late at night in my dorm room at Stanford. By the time it completely went viral, it, it went viral in late August. It turned out that parking tickets are a global problem. In New York alone, a billion dollars is made a year from parking tickets. And so it's not just this UK issue. Everywhere, people need to fight. And so I thought, that this isn't being done in the US. I already have this great start in the UK. Why not expand? And it did well over there as well, didn't it? Yeah. There's some press coverage, I believe. There was even a report on the app on CBS Morning News. That's like an enormous news channel over in the States, right? Students chatbot fights parking tickets and wins. It was great, man. But what the heck is a chatbot, though? That's what we kept hearing. Chatbot does this, chatbot does that. And it's very easy to kind of glaze over the whole idea of what a chatbot is. But what is a chatbot? Scientists have been working on this since as early as the 1930s. Early chatbots used to break really easily because they couldn't keep up with the fact that us humans like to say the same things in loads of different ways. I'll give you an example. A greeting. If a chatbot is programmed to understand hello as a greeting, you would type in the word hello and it would respond with hello back. But if I said hi, good morning, morning, you right? Hey, Big Ed. And that chatbot isn't programmed for each of those specific greetings. It's just not going to work. But as computing power and the amount of storage capacity we could fit in computers and more and more digital data became available, it became feasible to use machine learning, which compares your hiya, hello, hi, big ed, hello, mate. It compares those words against loads of other sentences with very similar words in them. And it basically does some maths to make a very good guess about what you were saying. So, for example, a hey or a hi, Big Ed, it'd understand as a general greeting. 
So in essence, chatbots are a tool that helps a human being interact with a computer and a computer interact with a human being through language. So Josh integrated this technology into Do Not Pay, which resulted in a website you could talk to like a person. This meant loads more users and loads of thank you emails. But how does a super smart chatbot that fights parking tickets help people from all over the world solve issues such as homelessness and the refugee crisis? Well, more about that will be revealed after the break. Welcome back to The Switch. We're following the story of Joshua Browder, a 21-year-old who gave us the Do Not Pay website, the one which saved people millions of pounds and dollars for incorrectly issued parking tickets. He made it super simple to use by integrating a chatbot interface that you could talk to like a normal human being. So fighting wrongly issued parking tickets is great and all, but how can chatbots really make a difference in our lives? Well, after the app went viral, Josh's inbox started to fill up with people asking him for advice about other legal issues, like he was some kind of consumer rights guru, which he really wasn't. And they would unfortunately email me saying, my landlord is kicking me out, he won't repair anything, I'm fighting this company, that company. And although I had the response saying I can't really help you, it did give me a lot of ideas that access to justice and like fighting these companies is really a big issue. You had a whole other heap of problems and, and, and you were just aware that you could use the same sort of style of do not pay that you to do that? Or was it kind of, did you think that you might have to change it and adapt it slightly and that's kind of when you went in the chatbot direction? People really don't understand which option to click. Um, with parking tickets, I had 12 options. And people wouldn't think that an option didn't apply to them when in fact it did. And so the reason I switched to a chatbot is because they could enter whatever they wanted and then the software would secretly match to the correct legal reason on the back end. And I thought that this chatbot would be perfect for other legal applications like fighting your landlord. Josh started by researching and finding the relevant legal information online. He used the same techniques to utilise the robot lawyer that was used for the Do Not Pay app to help people with flight compensation, accommodation for homeless people and also uncovered something really shocking. At the times, um, I was helping homeless people um, find government housing and unfortunately a big contingent of homeless people are um, immigrants and this was when the refugee crisis was at its worst. And um, unfortunately, I learned from lots of homeless charities like Centrepoint that um, a lot of refugees can't claim the government benefits they're entitled to, both in the UK, US and Canada. In Canada, for example, um, you need Adobe Acrobat Pro to even open the documents necessary to file um, with the immigration authorities and a refugee doesn't have Adobe Acrobat Pro. So it's really a broken system that people didn't have access to. Why do you think your robot lawyer model helps people like this? I think that... Um, Half of the battle is just getting people the right documents um, and then asking questions they can understand to fill them in. And I'm not saying that my robot lawyer will be arguing in the high court anytime soon, but even doing that is a big step for a lot of people, both in consumer rights and human rights, like refugee stuff. And it can also cost refugees a lot of money um, if, because sometimes, you know, there are people that 
offer to help people yeah. get get their immigration paperwork sorted. Uh, how how important is it that we have something like a robot lawyer that is true and and fair yeah. when there are when there are risks like that out there? Yeah, one thing I should mention is that everything that I've done is completely free, and so the biggest reason I do it is there are these lawyers that unfortunately are charging hundreds of pounds just for doing what I was doing in high school with copying and pasting documents, and that's really something that prevents people from getting what they need. This was a massive turning point. It is now not only able to help people save a few quid for incorrectly issued parking tickets or delayed flights, do not pay could potentially save lives. This gained massive traction from lawyers working in this sector, and the UN even tweeted about it. Someone who was very vocal about supporting Josh was a human rights lawyer, Sophie Alcorn. There are a lot of what we call notarios in the United States. That's a Spanish word, which means notary. And in many Latin American countries, notaries have special legal powers. In the United States, notaries just have the ability to stamp a document and say that the person who signed it is really the person who signed it. But people call themselves notaries who are immigrants themselves. And then immigrants who need help go to them trusting and thinking that they have some competence to help them with their immigration paperwork. But actually, these people often have no idea what they're doing. There's a lot of fraud and scams that immigrants fall victim to, and their applications get botched so often, which can destroy their chances of immigrating, even if they're eligible, and end up in getting them deported. So Anything like this chatbot that can take the process and simplify it is just going to be so useful for thousands and thousands of people who are here who really need help. It will be easier for applicants to submit their applications, and it will empower legal aid organizations to assist a larger number of clients. Asylum seekers want to follow the laws and do everything properly, and this technology will help them do so. Immigration law is one of the most complex sectors of law in the US, with people posing as experts to scam others out of their money. Do Not Pay was helping people to avoid these situations and negotiate the complexities of the US immigration law, even if English wasn't their first language. Great, right? Well, not for everyone. Immigration can be a very controversial issue, as we all know, and there are a lot of different opinions out there, some of which were being thrown at Josh including some from a KKK sympathiser. I asked Josh if he could recall any of the abuse he received. I can't really remember the type of things that people were saying when uh, I did the immigration thing. And I also don't want to repeat some of it. it. It was just like racist, sexist, all sorts of terrible things. And in the UK even, some of my friends or acquaintances said, it's a disgrace what you're doing. There should be no more people coming to this country. What you're doing to help them is completely terrible. So there was lots of negative and lots of positive stuff as well, because as you said, it's a controversial issue. Do Not Pay started off life as a free website. Another challenge is keeping it free as it continues to grow. I had a lot of offers from different VCs and um, the way I decided to filter through them is who has the biggest vision. They would never, ever suggest that I would charge it, not because they're particularly like me, interested in helping people, but more because they realise that the product that millions of people use will be the one that's free. Mm, mm, okay. So the answer is it will always be free and you can hold me to that next time. The future of Do Not Pay is looking bright though. 
it can now understand and speak a few languages, including Arabic, and it has been converted into an app that you can actually download and have on your phone. It's only available in the US at the moment, but guess what? Josh has a US phone. So he gave us an exclusive tour of the app. So this is what happens when you actually have a US number. You can see like a carousel of consumer rights. Okay, um, so as you swipe in the main screen of the, yeah. screen of the app, you come into it and there's like travel price protection, credit report errors, refunds for late package deliveries, free fast food. Hang on, let's look at that. So mm. I have a lot of friends who are still in high school and I thought high schoolers don't really use Uber. They don't like sue, want to sue anyone. But what they do do is have fast food. Mm. And so this one, if you've ever seen a fast food receipt, there's like a survey on the receipt. If you complete it, you get free fast food next time you come. So this one, it uses your phone camera. You scan the um, survey. It reads it for you. It does the survey for you and then returns the receipt code to get you free fast food next time you come. Oh, please bring this to the UK, yeah. Josh. Um, <laughs> Chargebacks on your credit card, bank fee refunds. So let's go to this one, for example. So this one, you link your bank account, it tells you all the bank fees that you have automatically, mm -hmm. and then you can appeal them individually, and it asks you questions to help you help with your appeal. And then we have something called government products. So one, um, the DMV, which is like the DVLA, the US version of the DVLA, the bot will actually phone up the DMV for you to make a car appointment. And on the other end, you have a bot as well. So the two bots are speaking to each other. The do not pay bot and the um, government bot. It's so funny to listen to them speak. I would love to hear a yeah. bot to bot conversation. And all of these things, you've literally made it. It looks very simple. You literally click into, for example, like you said, yeah. bank charges, and it just says appeal. You press that button and is it... Yeah. How long would it take to, for example, appeal one bank charge? Under 24 hours. And actually, last week, I got my um, first personally bank charge waived using the app, and I made $35. And nice. So, and how long does it take in the app once you're in? And it, oh, like 30 seconds. And so, for example, credit report errors, you ask you questions about why you're appealing, who, who you're appealing with. There are nine questions. It doesn't take very long. And then it's all done automatically. And then finally, uh, let me show you Sue Anyone. So this is the big red button that <laughs> is kind of pulsating. You just press it. It asks you some questions about where you live and stuff. Um, I'm going to put a US address. And then based on your state, it just asks you how much you want to sue for. Oh, so you can go from zero to 10K. So if yeah. I'm feeling especially sassy, I can say, right, I'm going to sue you for 10K. Yeah, and every state is different in the US. And so based on where you're, you put the address, um, so in Tennessee, for example, you can appeal uh, sue for up to 25K. So the app <laughs> will let you do that. And then you choose like a generic reason for why do you want oh, to sue. Let's have a look at a few of these. Negligence. So, unrefunded security deposit. Everyone has that. Yeah. Consumer refunds. Automobile act. accident. Breach, like if someone makes a promise to you um, and doesn't keep it, personal property, loans. We looked at everything that small claims court cases are used for and tried to include it all. Then ask you questions about your case. But it looks so simple, Josh. Uh, who you're suing. Oh, yeah, so obviously. Marcus, are you going to put me in there? Oh, cheers, thank you very much. Well, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I've just been sued in 30 seconds. And then uh, instantly it will generate all the documents necessary to sue someone and it's just taking a second. Um, hopefully it works. So um, it, this is the first stage of the process where it gives you this um, long letter that I can send to you just through like WhatsApp or Facebook and this is the demand letter. It's good to know you can sue me via yeah. WhatsApp in 2018. That is very 2018. Well, you can right? demand to <laughs> sue someone. So you've made it really simple. 
to use. Yeah. What's the hardest part of this whole process? What's going on that's really complex here? For, so um, for us or for the consumer? For the consumer, it's like there's nothing. Yeah, um, I mean, so, yeah. For, yeah. For, for, like that whatever's going on in the background yeah. is super complex. Like what's yeah. the, what is the magic sauce that's going on in there? Like We're world experts at uh, bots on, on the internet. And earlier in the conversation, I said that a bot is something that speaks to you. There are also bots that don't do any speaking, but um, do a lot of clicking. And so we have uh, across the internet bots that submit forms for people or click buttons on government websites or even call up the government. And so we ha- we've had to like enlist an army of bots. And the problem is that these issues are big, but not that big on their own. So for Do Not Pay to be really popular, it has to work with like 20 different issues or maybe even one day hundreds of different issues. And so that creates a lot of work for us because we can't just be a parking ticket company or a landlord company. It has to be um, everything, all your rights in your pocket. I love that slogan, all of your rights in your pocket. Now, if robot lawyers become the norm, and become something that we all have access to in the future. How will this change the world as we know it? Will we have one driverless car suing another for dangerous driving? Will we have potentially lengthy legal proceedings taking place in milliseconds at the back end of websites? Or could we fire up an app for a weekly chat with our sympathetic counsellor who knows exactly what to say to make us feel better? Potentially. Personally, I think the more that bots take care of human interactions, the more human they will actually become. Who knows? You and I may prefer chatting to our bots instead of real humans after a long day at work. Thank you for listening to episode one of The Switch. And of course, thank you to Josh for sharing his incredible story. He's definitely one to watch. 